Welcome to Beautiful Imperfection. We are so happy you're here. In this podcast, we will discuss from week to week our identity in Christ. The beauty in our imperfection is Him. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. We're so excited that you're here this week. I'm here with Lindsay and uh, again and with Shannon Timmy, who is going to share her testimony, her story with us about how God has taken her and redeemed her life, just like he does for all of us. So I'm very excited and I don't want to take any of her time. So I'm going to just throw it right to you, Shannon. And thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story with us. Thank you both for having me. It's um, an honor and a pleasure. And I'm just going to start out with scripture because um, I just feel like we have to let God's word become the words of our stories because Mm. that is really, that's the testimony. Um, So Exodus 410, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth, who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Mm-hmm. And I just start with that because I know that whatever I say is not of me, it's of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to impact the person that God wants it to, the, the person that God wants to hear it is going to hear it. So, That's right. Amen. Um, Amen. Faithful is he who calls me and he will also do it. So um, I'm just so grateful to be here um, for a number of reasons. I'm I'm grateful to be here sober today. <laughs> um, I guess I'll just start with that. My sobriety date is July 27th, 2014. So I'll be celebrating nine years here in a, in a few weeks. And um, it's by God's grace. I grew up in, I was born in Orlando. I'm a true Floridian. And when I was about two years old, we moved to Indiana. Uh, My mom, my dad, myself, and I grew up there. I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, My dad owned restaurants. My mom was an RN and she actually went to school when I was, um, a toddler. And I, I, I started college when I was two. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So just, a, you know, a pretty middle-class family, a uh, small town in Indiana. Um, what I would like to start with is really, uh, the power of prayer. I learned it at such an early age because, um, I prayed for a brother or sister and my parents say that I prayed so hard that God gave me triplets. <laughs> um, my parents were we're not trying for a second child. Um, my dad was 46 years old and it was just a big, uh, surprise to our family, no fertility drugs or anything. And, <laughs> you know, triplets are much more common today, but back in 1993, they were not, I was five years old. And, um, I, I truly feel like that is where I felt the power of prayer, mm-hmm. uh, my first experience with it. And, um, and yeah, so then the next, you know, uh, years were just probably crazy for my parents, uh, crazy for me, crazy growing up with with triplet brother and sisters, but it was a lot of fun. And, um, I think also what came along with the triplets was I had this great need for attention after that, um, went from obviously being the only child. And, uh, that seemed to play a theme in, in my life for many years to come. And so I did very well in school. Uh, I was always very well behaved, got straight A's, uh, did all the sports 
And um, when I was 16, I took my first drink and my life dramatically changed in that moment, even though I didn't know it yet. And I grew up Catholic. So I am so grateful for that today. Um, you'll never hear me say anything bad about the Catholics because I do feel so blessed that I knew who God was. Right. I, I do feel like today I look back and I think I had a misunderstanding of the characteristics mm -hmm. of God, mm -hmm. but I do feel very blessed that from a young age, I knew that there was a, a power greater than myself. Um, and that it was God, the God of the Bible, regardless of my misunderstanding of him or where that came from. Um, and so I was, you know, just an, an average teenager. Um, I had a lot of self-confidence. I had a lot of friends and you know, like any teenager, I mean, maybe not everyone, but many, you know, there's a party and there's alcohol. And, um, my parents had warned me about it. My parents were very strict. Um, you know, no drinking, no drugging. I'd had all the talks. Um, and I, I did it anyways. And it was like a switch went off in my brain and I woke up that next morning and I wanted immediately to do it again. Mm -hmm. I immediately wanted another drink. And, you know, there's a, a debate that goes on if people are born alcoholic or if they become alcoholic. I believe I was always alcoholic and then I drank and I was alcoholic. I believe whenever I took that first drink, whether it was 10, 16, 26, 56, I believe that, um, it would have had the same effect on me. Um, it's not that I'm saying that, you know, God created me to be an alcoholic or, um, you know, anything like that. I just believe that, um, that was going to happen no matter what, when I took that first drink and, um, and I loved it and I loved it from that day on. And we actually moved from Indiana. Um, that was 2003. I was 16. I'm, we moved from Indiana back to Florida. So I've been back here 20 years now this year. And that was um, pretty traumatic for me. I was going into my junior year of high school. Um, these were all the friends I had grown up with, the people I knew. And um, many years later, I would find out that um, the reason we moved to Florida was because um, there were some other addictions going on in my family. And um it was really the only option that my parents had at mm -hmm. the time. And, um, so we moved and, um, I was very upset, but just as before, you know, I, I did varsity volleyball, varsity cheerleading captain. I got a lot of friends. I, you know, my parents had a lot of guilt, I think about moving and they bought me the brand new red Mustang. And I mean, I just, I had everything and, um, yeah, there was this, this whole always inside of me. Um, and I, tried to fill that with alcohol. And for a while, it seemed like I was just a teenager that partied and, you know, it didn't seem, there were some things that happened that were not normal. Like, you know, I drank and drove after a party one night and, you know, was driving the wrong way down a street and the police pulled me over and I said, my mom's a nurse in the ER, call her. And they mm -hmm. did. And I got out of it. I always got out of it, all of the consequences. 
And um, also, I think people don't realize that you can be a, an alcoholic or headed that way if you're a binge drinker. People think an alcoholic is a person that drinks every day. Mm-hmm. And that was not ever the case for me. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll share that. But um, and so I was able to maintain, though. Right. So I would drink on the weekends and party and I would still get straight A's and I would still compete in all the sports and everything was fine. And I graduated high school. Uh, went on to UCF for four years, uh, did very well. I graduated with a degree in elementary education. Um, I graduated in 2009 and about, um, um, about around that same time as graduation, I can't place it in my head right now if it was right before I graduated or right after, but I got my first DUI and, um, that was kind of a turning point, um, maybe in the minds of some people but not in the mind of myself, not in the mind of my parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My parents thought, whoa, what bad luck, you know, that you were drinking and driving. Now you got to learn from this and you can't do that. And they, you know, they bought me the attorney and I got out of the trouble and they, you know, paid the fine, whatever. Um, And that was going to be the end of that. And the very next year I decided I was going to go to law school because I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. And I went to law school and Um, I even booked tort law, which booking a class in law school means you get the highest grade in the class. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, my problem with alcohol was, was pushed under the surface for all of these years because I, I I did so well at life, according Mm -hmm. to the world's standards, the world has a different standard of success and I was meeting that. So how could I have a problem with alcohol? And, um, you know, throughout this time, my relationship with God was not personal. It was, um, a relationship out of guilt. It was a relationship out of, um, if I don't go to mass, if I don't go to confession, I'm going to hell. So I need Mm -hmm. to do these things. And, um, and I did those things for the most part, I was a pretty good Catholic. (laughs) Um, but it never spilled over from Saturday night mass or Sunday morning mass. It never spilled over into my week. It was that 60 minutes. My family always got communion and that was the opportunity to leave because we were already standing and we would just sneak out the back. And that, that was that, you know, and all the years later to realize that, in that time that I thought I was going to heaven, if I ever, you know, crossed my mind, I was not, (laughs) I had not accepted Christ as my savior. I can remember my parents telling me, like, if I wanted to go to church with a friend, if they ask you to get saved, don't get saved, you know? And like, I remember thinking, you know, oh, I can't go to VBS with you because my parents are afraid I'm going to get saved. (laughs) So, um, so what do you think, but your parents were thinking in telling you that, was it just not to take you away from the Catholic faith? Yes. I think that, um, my dad went to Catholic school and, you know, my whole family was Catholic and my mom, when she married, my dad converted to Catholicism, um, you know, went through all the adult classes and all of that kind of thing. And, and we did the first communion. And, and the baptism and the eighth grade confirmation and all of that. It was just so just uh, ingrained in us. Like it was almost like Catholics versus right. the world. Right. And they didn't want me to be separated from that. And, you know, um, I'll get to the part of the story. My dad's not here anymore. So I can't have these conversations where, you know, I can ask him like, what was the big deal about all that? You know, or, or even more so that I could explain to him, like being saved, you know, it's just, right. it's just a different, you know, yeah. it's just a personal relationship with Christ. And, you know, because, you know, for him, it was, at, it, 
everything through the priest. You know, right. you don't have a direct line to God. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's so true even today, not just with the Catholic faith, though, but I think parents are so afraid of that saved category mm-hmm. that they're afraid that it's going to change. You know, if they've not been brought up that way, then they don't understand it either. And then it just so it's it's a miscommunication, really, of what mm-hmm. that means and what it does for you and the benefit of having God in your life and how it changes your life. And I think that's a, such a misconceived idea now because it's almost like a taboo in our world today. Absolutely. And, and it is what you're saying, the successes of, of climbing the ladder as we see success in the world and all of those boxes are being checked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and later on, my dad and I did have some very fruitful conversations about the Lord and I'm grateful for those, but, you know, being brought up that way, that was where my misconception of who God was came from. You know, I thought he was a mean and punishing God Mm -hmm, (laughs) for sure. Only a mean and punishing God that I didn't know the side of grace. Like Mm -hmm. the word grace meant nothing to me. Like that was a new concept for me when I got sober and, and God's love even Mm -hmm. was a new concept to me that he loved me. Mm. And, um, and so, so I got that DUI. I went to law school for a year. Um, I was doing well until I wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I didn't have a real college experience because when I went to UCF for those four years, I was in a six year high school relationship and all through college, I was with the same boyfriend and I didn't really do the partying thing. I mean, I would binge drink here and there, whatever. It really hadn't taken over my life yet. And, um, and so I think that because I didn't have that college experience that I thought I was supposed to have that I missed out on. When I went to law school, it was like parties on, this is my chance. And I was single then, mm-hmm. um, I had just gotten out of that six year relationship. And so, um, I partied so much that I went to Spain to study abroad after my first year. So this would be my third semester, went to Spain, was supposed to be there for five weeks. I was there for five days. Mm-hmm. Um, I drank on the plane. When I got there, the time, the drinking at lunch, the bottles of wine at lunch during in the, in between classes. Um, you know, you can only have a certain amount of absences and I was like drunk for the first Mm. three days. So, um, and then I, I had been, um, experimenting with other drugs and, and there was some cocaine involved there in that Spain trip. And, um, I actually, you know, it's embarrassing almost even to this day to share, but I got so drunk and high on like that fourth day that, um, I had broken a glass bottle, a bottle of alcohol. And I think I was embarrassed that I had dropped the bottle of alcohol if I'm being truly honest. And I took the glass and I had cut my wrists and I had cut my sides Mm. like in an effort to, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could, you know, in today's society, we would call it a cry for help. I have no idea why I did it. I mean, I, I was not thinking rationally and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back there. The Dean had already warned me a couple of days prior that I was going to go home if I did not straighten this out. And so, um, you know, I called, they told me I, I had to go home. I called my parents. I waited in the airport at Spain, depressed, hopeless, hungover for 22 hours, flew home. Um, you know, did not go back to law school after that, uh, Mm -hmm. because they wanted me to sign a three year, uh, no drinking and drugging contract. And there it's a thing in many professions. They have them for nurses and doctors, for attorneys, Mm -hmm. for all these Mm -hmm. things. And you will be randomly tested for these three years. And my dad and I discussed it. And I said, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to have to apply for a job while still in this three year probationary thing with the board. And, um, how am I going to get a job? Like, I don't know. My dad and I just thought, 
no, you know, it, it wasn't the, it, it wasn't my fault. It was the law school's fault. You right. know, yeah. it was. Why are they the getting me they had? Yeah, that's right. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just made a mistake. I can do it. Yeah. Y'all, just, y'all just messing up. Yeah, I went on vacation. Why sign this contract? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I just drank too much on vacation slash study abroad, and <laughs> wow, this law school. You know, and so um, you know, I know that my dad was a big enabler. Um, my mom, not so much. My mom has her own struggles with addiction and alcoholism, and she. Has had been in NA and AA, uh, Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and so she knew that I was, I was alcoholic and she had encouraged me at times to go to AA. And, um, I never knew that my mom had, had problems with addiction and alcoholism my whole life growing up. I was in my twenties when it, it was revealed to me, um, when it came back in her life. And so, uh, my mom was less of an enabler because she knew that that was not going to solve the problem. And my dad was an enabler. (laughs) And so, um, between just to get this moving here between that first DUI in 2009 and 2013, I was arrested 10 times. Mm -hmm. Every single time that I went to jail, I was drinking. I was never arrested for, you know, something while I was sober ever. Alcohol was always the common factor. Um, I mean, it ranged from drinking and driving to, uh, you know, just being drunk and disorderly to one time, um, I got a trespassing warrant from a a bar and I threw it on the ground and the police officer told me to pick it up and I wouldn't. And he literally arrested, arrested me for misdemeanor littering. That was my charge when I woke up in jail the next day. I mean, you name it. And I, I was there for, if I was drinking, I was, it it changed me into Mm -hmm. a different person. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm going through all of this, um, all of these arrests. I totaled six cars in that same time between 2009 and 2013, uh, always drinking and driving always. I mean, and I'm so sorry. It Mm -hmm. just breaks my heart to to know that yeah, my brother, yeah. Well, I, I want to also ask you this question because I think it's, I, it's relevant because it, it, it hit home with me too, with drinking and driving. Um, even to this day, when you, when you wake up and the next day you're immediately all of a sudden burning and saying, why did I do what I did? But then that itch to want to do it again, all of a sudden starts happening, um, over and over again. And so there's just, um, those times where, it's all about you and you're not thinking about anybody else that you're hurting. You're not hitting, you're not thinking about anybody else that you could be hurting or could hurt um, in those instances. And then when you wake up all of a sudden the next day, it's that, that lost hope that you don't have all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a great place for us to take a break and stop for today. And we'll pick up here next week. So join us. Don't miss anything. This is a great story of God's redemption. And we want you to be a part of that. So we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have gleaned something of value that will help you in your day-to-day lives and draw you closer to living fully in who God designed you to be. Until next time, you are beautiful in His sight. If you've been thinking and listening to us and wondering, how can this become a reality in my life? How, does, how can my identity be in Christ? And you've never received Him. I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that right now by praying a sinner's prayer. It's a very simple prayer, and it goes like this. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you to come in 
Please forgive me for everything that I've done and help me to walk with you as I follow you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you and help you as you start your life in Christ. Please visit thebestnews.org.